0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, of course. My name is Steve Barber, and my awesome co-host is Juelen Davis. Say hello, Juelen.
1: How you doing, everybody?
0: And this week, we are going to try something a little different. We've talked about it, and we think we know what we're doing. We're two smart guys, and we're going to put that to the test. And, but people who know us, they, they actually personally, they may actually kind of laugh at that statement. But I don't know, Dwayne, what do you think? You think we can pull this off? <laughs> yep. We're going to do a watch along. And what we're going to watch along to. Uh,
2: we'll see.
0: Go ahead. You there? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So what we're going to watch is the intercontinental title match at SummerSlam 1992 between the British Bulldog and the champion at the time, Bret Hart. And what made this even more intriguing is they were brothers-in-law. And awesome, fantastic match. But before we start, uh, the wrestling world was actually hit pretty hard this week with the passings of first Burt Prentence, who, Dwayne, you and I both said, we weren't sure who he was but we found out he was an announcer early announcer for tna
2: yeah
0: and yeah and um you know of course i mean a lot of wrestlers were actually posting about him so it sounded like he actually had a lot of respect from people uh jody hamilton also known as the assassin he passed away uh he was not just a wrestler but he was also a booker he was the he was a agent for the wrestlers he ac- actually was the one uh, as soon as you came through the curtain at wcw it, he was in what wwe calls the the gorilla position but yeah. wcw they, they refer to it as the jody position
1: oh okay
0: yep and yeah because tony Schiavone, he's actually mentioned that before in his podcast and i had to say about him he was probably the one of the first heels that i mean i just I hated him because I was scared of him.
1: <laughs> you know, makes that,
0: sense. Yeah. I mean, that assassin's mask, I'm looking for one now. You can find them on eBay, but if you want to pay $50, I'm going to wear one for Halloween. Watch me.
1: Look on um, highspots.com. They have all kinds of like wrestling stuff on there.
0: All right. Good prices?
1: Uh, yeah. Pretty, pretty fair.
0: Okay i shall do that uh remind me whenever we're done with this today and i'll have to go check that out okay and then last and certainly not least uh i got the news as soon as i woke up this morning i was checking my phone because that's what we do one of the first news items i got was that beautiful bobby eaton had passed away
1: yeah i was talking to my brother about it earlier and uh he actually he actually met Bobby Eaton at a uh, a con that he was at one year and he's got a picture with him. Oh wow! Yeah, he's uh, he loved my brother loved the Midnight Express.
0: And uh, Bobby Eaton he's he he's one of those guys that you've never heard never read anything bad said about him. Everybody just loved him and they all talk about how. He was such a nice guy and he would do anything for anybody if he knew you needed help, even if you didn't ask for it, he would still help you out.
1: Oh yeah, and, uh, he used to carry an extra suitcase that had uh like toiletries and stuff and socks and different things that guys would just, you know, and
0: silverware when they're back
1: in their gear they would
0: Yeah, he had silverware. <laughs> he had like yep, was, yeah, silverware. so
1: he yeah. always had extra on hand in case somebody forgot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the, even what makes it even more sad is his wife just passed away less than a month ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And you know, she so, was uh, she was Bill Dundee's daughter.
0: Yeah, and if this says anything about the,
1: it. She was the daughter of Bill Dundee. And,
0: um, and because he was such a nice guy, Bill Dundee did not want his daughter dating any wrestlers. And so they were actually sneaking around behind his back. And then when he found out, he's like, oh, it's Bobby. <laughs> you know, he, he couldn't get mad at it because he knew Bobby was such a nice guy. Yeah, he would never... was
1: okay because it was Bobby. Yeah,
0: yeah he was okay. Yeah. And
1: uh, I... Steve Austin said wrestling Bobby Eaton was like a night off because everything Bobby Eaton did was so believable and it looked so real. It mm-hmm. looked like it would really hurt. But he never, heard, he never really hurt
0: anybody. Yeah, I'm one, I saw a video and I, it may have been Cornette who was actually kind of commentating over the video. Bobby was coming off either the second rope or the top rope and he was doing an elbow. And I mean, it looked like, I mean, he just smashed onto the guy's chest and shoulders and his neck. But Cornette said, Now watch. He said, If you look at his hand, his hand is out, looks like he's bracing himself. His mm-hmm. hand is at, yeah. He said his hand was basically covering the guy's face. Yeah. So he wouldn't hurt the guy and he elbow yeah. never even touched. And it just looked devastating.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like that right hand that he would throw. You know, it looked like a knockout punch, but everybody said everybody's always said that was he was always the easiest to work with. And yeah, I've seen nothing but good things said about him.
0: Yep. And uh Mick Foley, I just the latest one I actually shared this one as well. Cause normally I only I only share like one thing about any kind of news like that. But Mick Foley, his his statement about it uh was pretty, pretty long, but it, it actually I think it, it kind of summed up Bobby Eaton to a T, you know, the kind of person he was.
1: Yeah. You know, I so, shared uh, I shared Samoa had posted about it and I shared I retweeted his and then Arn had put something about it, and I retweeted that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I did see that one because I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Arn, he and Arn, they were, they were good friends. In fact, not just that, I mean, they were neighbors. You know, they lived about yeah. a block away from each other.
1: Yeah. They and... were the, uh, during the uh, Dangerous Alliance days, they were the world tag team champions.
0: Mm hmm. And, you know, of course, Aaron, Arne's wife and Bobby's wife, uh, I, honestly, and I feel bad. I can't think of his, his late wife's name. Uh, they were also best friends. Yeah. And, you know, but when if they, they still haven't said the official cause of death for Bobby, but my honest um, opinion is he died of a broken heart.
1: That's what I think. That As soon as I saw that she had passed less than a month ago, that's what I think, too.
0: Because I mean, people don't think things like that are real. Oh, it's very real. I mean, that's who. Oh yeah. He wanted to spend the rest of his life with, and now she was gone. So I mean, he. Yeah. You know, Dad of a broken heart. So. So our definitely our thoughts and prayers are going out to the the Eaton family because I mean I know Absolutely. they're really struggling and Bill Dundee losing his daughter, now losing his son in law, and then of course their kids losing both parents within a month of each other. I mean that's that's yeah. That's tough, so, um, but we do have to move on. And before we get to the, the watch along, I'm almost scared to do this. <laughs> but, um, I do wanna go ahead and get our, give our contact and listening info. If you would like to contact us for any reason, whether it be, if you want a show suggestion, if you wanna come on the show, uh, just give us some feedback. It's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com or on, on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. We're on Instagram, armchairbooking. or on Twitter at bookingarmchair. You can find us, of course, on Block Talk Radio because that's who actually hosts it. But we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Play, and many more. All you do is really just do a search for the name and you can actually find other ways of listening to us. Yeah. And have I forgotten anything? I, I think that you did that from memory.
1: No, I think that's everything.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, I've, I've tried to expand the show out. So we are on many, many platforms. Cause uh, some people do Apple podcasts. Some people like Stitcher, some people like Amazon music.
2: Yeah. I use Amazon music myself.
0: Yeah. That one's a, that one's a good one. And that one was one of the last ones I got on there and I felt like I'd actually accomplished something pretty major when I did that, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and I, I will have to give the plug out for the Northern wrestling federation this past, um, Monday, you know, and if you listen to that, the podcast from, uh, Monday, you know, from myself and Juelen. I actually mentioned that the owner of the Northern Wrestle Federation, Roger Ruffin had actually reached out to me because they are having a huge event next Saturday in Covington, Kentucky. And he asked if I could actually interview some people on the podcast, you know, to plug the event. And I told him, sure, you know, and so we set it up for the very next day for a wrestler who is, his wrestling name is the swinger. And we did that Tuesday night. The interview went really well and this event dude i'm telling you what i really wish you could come up here because yeah, me
1: too. you told me about this
0: one. oh my i mean they're going to have games for kids you know the 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 opening time is going to be four o'clock but that's not when the the matches start that's just you go in and it, it's almost like a like a mini wrestle con in a way that's, oh wow yeah i mean because you're going to be able to meet the wrestlers but i don't believe they're going to be like behind tables and you have to pay. I mean, you're actually going to get to meet them and interact with them. And they're going to have games for the kids. Of course, they're going to have all sorts of food there, you know, they, because they always have pizza, they always have soda, they always have snacks, things like that. And they're, they're going to have a tug of war. You know, this is the swinger was telling me this. They're going to have a tug of war, faces against heels. You know, of course, good guys against bad guys. You know, for the nwf right and i think that's gonna be kind of cool <laughs> and <laughs> and then the matches themselves and i don't i don't actually have the uh the match listing in front of me but when we were going through all these matches it's going to be just stacked and and the matches they don't even start till six o'clock and, oh yeah wow. yeah and it is going to be stacked they're going to have a cage match uh women in cage match and this this will be the first time they've ever had the, the NWF has had a women's cage match. And that's, that. I think that's going to be, well, actually I think all the matches are going to be good. Uh, they're going to have another match. And this is for the NWF. I believe he said it was for the unified title where it's, it's almost like a fatal five way, except for it's just two people in the ring and it's elimination style. yeah so two people in the ring but you tag yourself in or somebody tags you in and once you're eliminated whether it be pinfall submission count whatever you have to leave the area you have to go back to the locker room
1: Uh, oh okay
0: yeah so i was like huh that to me makes it more interesting anyway because my personal opinion is the the triple threats the the four ways the five-way matches all of them, I think they should all be elimination matches anyway. Yeah. But that's just me because they, they, I think they use the triple threat matches way too much to try to get somebody to lose their title without actually losing.
1: Yeah. Me too.
0: Yep. Um, but they're also going to have a scramble, a scramble match for the women's title. Who, right now, the champion is Mean Selena Dean, who we've actually had on the show a couple of times in the past. We'll have to get her back on the show with you. can talk, talk with her, Dwaylin, because. Uh, she's actually really good. There's a reason why she's the women's champ, and she cashed in the Golden Ticket, which is like their version of Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, and I was actually there that night, and did I send you the video of that if I didn't? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. You did. Yep, so in fact, the two women that are going to be in the cage match are Big Mama and Nikki Victory. Okay. Yep, so Nikki Victory, who lost the women's title to Salita Dean, when she cashed in the Golden Ticket, after Big Mama put uh, Nikki Victory through a table. Just all oh. of a sudden. Yeah, and Big Mama, they were she and Nikki Victory, they were allies up until that very point. Also, she turned around and slammed into the table, and she mm-hmm. in then cashed in, and new women's champion. So, but it, it's going to be an action-packed night, and if you can make the five-hour drive up here, you know you can stay with us, and we'll go to it.
1: I wish I could. That sounds awesome
0: yeah so but moving on to the match now 29 years ago my friend we do you remember all the details about what led up to this match
1: honestly i don't remember i don't remember how they i don't remember the build i don't remember the build to the match
0: well i think it was just basically and i'll have to really look at it again brett was intercontinental champion bulldog had never had a shot at the intercontinental title but they're right. brothers-in-law right bulldog was married to brett's sister diana yeah and so he won the title shot and then jack tunney was the one who actually came out and said you're going to give him a title shot by the way it's going to be at SummerSlam. by the way SummerSlam is going to be in london
1: yeah at wembley stadium
0: Yep, Wembley Stadium, which I've actually been to. The only NFL game I've ever been to was at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> so, you know, go figure. Uh, which is also another interesting story I have to tell you about. You know, offline. Um But you know, when they had this match, and it ended up being like one of the one of the greatest SummerSlam matches ever, and we thinking, man, two great wrestlers, you know, they were really working together to put it, put on a great match. And then we found out later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, bulldog, you know,
1: found out, uh, Brett had to put that Superman cape on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he did. Because the bulldog was on, was on a little bit of crack.
1: Yeah. With, with their,
0: uh, with their other brother-in-law, Jim Neidhart. Yeah.
1: I mean they he spent like they got to London like and then they had like the media tour and all that stuff all week long and he was just smoking crack with Jim Knightheart all <laughs> week <laughs> long. And then wow. they get to the, they get to the arena and like they it's just Bulldogs just has no clue what's going on And I don't know. I don't know what he thought. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. The biggest match of his life. And he's gonna smoke crack all week.
0: Oh, that's actually why he thought it was a good idea because he was smoking crack. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's he didn't know crack is whack. Yeah. (laughs) So
1: yeah, yeah, nobody that apparently.
0: Yeah, and so he, you know, did more crack. Yeah. And I'm going to guess that Vince McMahon was not aware of all the crack until after, you know, well. Yeah,
1: and he may not have been aware later. Brett might not have told it because really, I mean, I've, I'm sure Jim Nighthard didn't tell it because he wasn't trying to get fired, but <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: again,
1: and so. Brett may not have told Vince, Vince may not have known for years later.
0: And, and, and well, I was going to say I'm pretty sure Vince knows now, but uh, you never know; he may not know.
1: Yeah, he may not.
0: But but right now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are wanting to watch this as we are watching it ourselves, and yeah, I think uh, when was the last time you actually watched this match, Dwayne.
1: Um, uh, it's been years and years ago. Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times, since, you know, since it happened, but it's been a long time since I've watched it.
0: Hmm. Um. I know I watched it in the past year, but it was honestly enough. It was, I was watching the entire pay-per-view because I wanted to see the Shawn Michaels and Rick Martel match again. Yeah. And, and I think we were saying the other day, yeah, the match is still good. It just didn't hold up to the way I thought it was the first time I watched it years ago. But I right. think, I think part of that may be because we've seen Shawn Michaels do some just absolutely extraordinary things since then.
1: Yeah, that match, for, that match was tame compared to the stuff he ended up doing, especially his second run when he yes. came back after the, the four, four and a half years.
0: Yes. So, But if anybody would like to watch along while we do the watch along, we are at 2-13-34, and I'm about to hit play now.
1: I forgot about that. He is the yeah, Linux Lewis holds the flag, yeah. Hello, boxing Lennox Lewis. Here is the color from Leeds,
0: England. Ah. Hey, they didn't say London. I know before they said something from London, England, and he wasn't from London.
1: Yeah. Nope, nothing against any of the current announcers, but... Nobody ha- no announcer gives that big match feel like Howard Finkel did. Oh,
0: I know. I, I can't even imitate his voice.
1: Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if he, you know, it doesn't matter if it was the opening match or the main event he made. Every match seem like that. It was the most important match on the show.
0: Oh yeah. And something about whatever. And we'll have to, uh, we're not going to have the sound on the entire time. Uh, because well, for one, I don't feel like getting copyrighted. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, and plus, if we're trying to talk, I mean, we'd be trying to talk over the sound, you know. So yeah. there may be a couple times during the match I may may turn off, but uh, but definitely at the end because I want to hear uh, I want to hear Howard Finkel say the winner and new
1: yeah. yeah. That's that's like the best part, like that, like when someone. Like when a title
0: changed hands and he said, and new, that it just gives you goosebumps. Yep. You're, and new, you're like, yeah. And, but of course, then there's also the ones where they're going for the title and the champion was kind of disqualified. The day the winner by disqualification is so, so, however, yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the things that would crack me up then, I'll. It was sometimes you see the people give me the belt, give me the belt, and then they do the rules. But, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Now uh, here comes Brett walking in the ring, and and I
1: think here's a he note. Knows- Go ahead. I don't Go ahead. wonder if he knows, like, because because in his book he said that you know when they first lock up Bulldog, you know, whispers to him, "I've forgotten everything."
0: <laughs>
2: wow.
1: Yeah, like they Uh, went for the lockup and they were doing some early holds and Bulldog told Brett, I'm screwed. I don't remember anything that we laid out. So Brett just told him, follow me.
0: uh, I think it was Diana. And, you know, for every match, even though we knew these two guys were both faces. Yeah. But you need to have somebody as the heel as the antagonist you think brett knew he was in the heel then because he didn't he didn't give one high five he didn't shake one hand and normally and well he still might do this normally he gives the glasses to a kid
1: yep well brett i'm sure brett knew that he was gonna have to be somewhat heelish because i mean bulldogs countrymen were behind him all the way Yes, so they were. I'm not saying that there were no Bret Hart fans there, but I mean, you're, you know, you're in London, England, and the hometown boy, so to speak, is, you know, is challenging. Well, he did give one. to
2: Oh, there you go. Right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's giving a, oh, okay. What was the guy? Oh, and I guess he was just going to give the high five to the kid. And there the other guy just kind of stood up but, eased
1: in there and took it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so and wow, I was just reading eighty how many eighty how many thousand people? Uh, uh WF, eighty thousand three hundred and fifty-five people. Yeah. Uh the fourth largest in the company's history. Wow. Yeah. Behind WrestleMania twenty nine, WrestleMania three, and WrestleMania thirty-two. Where was twenty-nine held?
1: Uh twenty-nine, twenty-nine. Uh was that the, no, okay. Which okay. one was the first Cena and Rock match? Was that 28?
0: Uh, yeah, it was 28.
1: 29 was uh, MetLife Stadium.
0: Oh, okay. In New Jersey. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. yeah. And they always,
1: know, they always say in the shadow of New York City. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, I remember now it was at MetLife.
0: Uh, they already got the lock it up, they're shoving each other, and I'm pretty sure Bulldog already told him, yeah, you're on yeah. your own. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was it was somewhere in this sequence, in that opening sequence where he tells Brett he's forgotten everything.
0: Oh man. But Brett, Brett's won. already <laughs> man, Brett's already making him look like a million bucks the way he uh, he took that tackle. That, yeah. Man. Uh, what'd you think about the Bulldog when he had the the braids?
1: I never cared much for the braids.
0: Yeah, I. Oh, I think it was actually Bobby Heenan that said, "Yeah, he looks like Whoopi Goldberg."
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the best look for him was like later in his career when he had the shorter. Yeah, when he had the short haircut. Oh, uh, okay. It was yeah. probably it was probably right here, where British Bulldogs <laughs> tell him that he. uh has no clue what's going on. I mean, it's kind of what happens when you smoke crack all week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> crack is whack. Oh yeah. These moves here, like the small package, then the, um, what they call it, like that backwards cradle. Yeah. Um, I've always liked those moves and I always like the rest. I mean, I think probably because, you know, of course growing up, you know, like liking the faces, liking the good guys, and that's the kind of moves they would do. Yeah. And uh, just seeing the way they do it. And they, they have quite a few in this match.
1: It's funny because I've always, I don't know, I always liked, when growing up, I always I liked some of the good guys. Like I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan and, you know, I liked some of the faces, but I always preferred the heels. Like one of, like Mr. Perfect was one of my favorite wrestlers. Yeah. And it's just, I've always, I don't know why i I guess because it's like the heels are a little more interesting.
0: They're not, they're not bound. They're not, um, that, that's one of the things they were, they were given more freedom to do what they wanted to in the ring. Yeah. And so if they wanted to, to go through the entire match of that cheating, they could, but they could right. cheat. if you saw yeah. a face cheating all of a sudden people might start booing
1: yeah exactly but now it's like you see and, and i like that distinction it, and you know because like now it's like you see faces doing heel stuff all the time and it's like so you get booed if you're a back if you're a heel and do that stuff you get booed but if you're a face and do the exact same thing it's okay like Jeff Hardy pinned Perry and Cross and had his feet on the ropes a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And it's like, and everybody cheered him. And it's like, you know, that's a heel move, right? I mean, Ric Flair made that move famous.
0: Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, they just showed Diana. Yeah. And, you know, she may be looking going, huh, Davey boy's kind of out of her. I wonder if he's on crack again. and and think about. i mean she
1: i'm sure you know being his wife i'm sure she knew something was
0: oh yeah i'm pretty sure she knew she's like yeah jim's over here too we all know how jim likes that crack yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and you know what it actually is kind of impressive even though i would never recommend it to anybody think about all these moves that the bulldog's doing and he's doing these moves at the that, that kind of breakneck speed that him and dynamite both were kind of known for. I know more dynamite than him. But he's pulling them off. And I know, yeah, I know Brett had to carry it, but like this right here. Okay. Yeah, the crucifix pin. You know, the Bulldogs, he still had to to do some of that. And this arm bar here, I mean he he doesn't look like he's on crack, but we know now no, he
1: doesn't look that's like I didn't know. And like I said, I'd seen this match, you know several times but you know and you know it's been a long time since i've watched it but i've seen it several times since i've been an adult and i did not know any of that until i read bret hart's book yeah and to look to look at it and looking back on it i still can't see where you know his I can't eyes, see his eyes are perfectly island. normal any, you know
0: yeah the first thing i'm looking for are the eyes yeah and, his eyes are not red, bloodshot, or anything like that. And he's not, I, well, I can't really tell you, he doesn't have, you know, the sweats.
1: Right, it, right. And, and he's not, yeah, and he's not, he's not moving real slow. He's not blown up. I mean, I know he had great cardio anyway, but if you've been smoking crack all week, there's no way your cardio is going to hold up like that.
2: But Exactly.
1: He, you know, he's... You know, he doesn't look blown up or anything. I, I mean, it's impressive. I'm like you. I mean, I don't recommend anybody smoke crack, but I mean, that,
2: <laughs> that's an uh, impressive
1: thing he pulled off. And just to be his size, being able to do those moves. Yeah. Is that, I mean, that's commonplace today, seeing a big guy move around that quick. But back then, most big guys didn't leave their feet.
0: So So think about this. This was actually... Maybe the inspiration for Jeff Hardy when he showed up at
1: the one Victory, uh, Road.
0: Victory Road. Oh, Lord. Yeah, he was doing more than crack.
1: Oh, yeah. He was... I think he took everything he could get his hands on. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that was that was just sad to watch. I, I, mm. I, I didn't see it. I didn't get that pay-per-view, but I saw it later. And that was just – you could tell Sting was furious, too. Mm-hmm. Because that was that the snuggest Scorpion death drop I'd ever seen.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he dropped him. He didn't just kind of fall with him. You know he slammed down and went down with him. Boom.
1: Yeah. And then the way he pinned him, he was making sure he wasn't getting up.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the ref would have actually counted to three regardless.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh.
1: Brett had the best atomic drop.
2: Yeah, he that, did. You're talking about
0: that inverted one.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just it looked like it just hurt you to your soul. It was just everything he did was just like I wasn't a huge Bret Hart fan when I was younger. But the older I get and the more of his more of his matches I rewatch. I mean, he is absolutely one of the best ever. I mean, I feel like he's a little bitter towards the business, which, I mean, granted, he does have some reasons to be bitter, But skill-wise, I mean, there's not many better than Bret Hart.
0: No, nah, there's not. And it does kind of make me wonder, you know, how tight he's cinching on these, like this chin lock that he has on. Now, now we're going to a side headlock. How tight he's got it on there. Yeah. Yeah. A biggest event of our <laughs> life. And you smoked crack before the show. A lot of crack. Yeah. I mean, basically, he, you know, he did all the crack that day. And oh, that yeah.
2: Week. <laughs> that whole week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, nice monkey flip.
2: Man. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. They're, they are
0: pulling out all the, this. Looks to me like one of the matches that you would see, like on one of the Starcates. You know, oh, yeah. The early Starcates.
2: Yep oh okay now. Yeah,
1: i think i know a lot of people you know have a lot of respect for this match and the, as as they should but i still feel like in a lot of ways this match does not get as much credit as it should because i think because of the pay-per-view it was on i mean honestly this is the only match really worth going back and watching on this pay-per-view.
0: Hey, how about you like that? The Bulldog got Bulldogged.
1: Yeah, I see that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and actually, right now, Brett's on the top, and I'm going to pause it at the 227.19 mark so we can take a quick commercial break. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am about to hit play once again the 227 19 mark and three two one play i said play there it goes (laughs) all right bulldog throwing bread off the top
1: yeah bulldog headed up top how he's keeping his equilibrium i have no clue
0: and i have no idea what move he was going for there that may be the yeah. indication he's on—he's on a little bit of crack.
1: Yeah, because uh, he Brett Bret was way—he was way too far away from that turn that corner.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Was, he wasn't going
1: for a headbutt? I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if it was a headbutt or if it was a knee drop or what, but
0: it, it didn't he work.
1: Didn't, he didn't get any of that.
0: Here's something kind of somber to think of: uh, out of the three people in that ring. Two of them are dead, and one of them is having a lot of health problems.
2: Yep. yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, yeah, Joey Morella, he, um, he died. It was just a couple years after this. He died in a car wreck. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know that was Gorilla Monsoon's son until, like, a few years even after that.
1: I didn't know until the car, until the car wreck. I'd re- I can't remember where I read it at, but they said that that was Gorilla's son. Yep. Like, everybody talks about, you know, we've talked about it before on the show about how people want to bring back, you know, they talk about bring back the attitude error, bring back the attitude error. I need them to bring back wrestling like this.
0: Like this, exactly. And by the way, that's what the NWF, that that was another one of the things we talked about, myself and the swinger, was they bring back the old school wrestling like this, actual wrestling.
2: Like, a lot of people don't
1: like... Like you see a lot of people complain on social media about wrestlers doing flippy stuff and all that. Honestly, I don't mind that because it's either I can watch the flippy stuff. I can watch stuff like we're watching right now, Mm -hmm. which is, and all of it is tells a much better story than two giant dudes lumbering around the ring for 20 minutes.
0: Exactly. And I mean, there's no,
1: there's no story there. It's like it, even with the guys that are that can. And my thing is, while people are complaining about guys doing the flippy stuff, that is some of the most impressive. You know, it is. It, it,
2: it is. You're right.
1: You're gonna see. It's like you know how much athleticism that takes to pull those moves off.
0: Yeah, And like we said, if Reginald and Ricochet would ever have a match, you might as well just not even have the match there because they're just going to be in the air the whole time.
1: Oh, yeah, they're going to be in the air the whole
0: time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, but this one right here, and you see Brett, he's starting to work on that back because, of course, the yeah. sharp shooter, you know, um, that was a move that really, it it stretched your back.
1: Oh, yeah. and I know, really, I know from and, experience because me and my brother used to put that move on each other all the time. <laughs> bigger four hurts too yeah hurts hurts a lot worse than they make it look on the show
0: And think it was brett with that drop kick i was never a fan of his drop kicks um but i always thought they looked sloppy but randy and i were actually talking about this not too long ago brett hart of course is right-handed but when he does yeah. his drop kicks he turns like he's left-handed
1: oh okay i never picked up on that
0: yeah um because if you're right-handed, you know, of course, he, he actually may be left foot dominant. I know, you know, it sounds, odd, uh, but I mean, there's people like that. My daughter, she's left-handed, but she is right-footed. You know, she kicks his right foot. But uh, usually if you're right-handed, you, when you do a drop kick, when you turn, you're, you're, you're turned to your left. So your right leg will be the one that's up higher. When, right. it, when Brett does it, he turns to the right. So his left leg or, you know, his left foot is the higher one. Yeah. And yeah, that was actually something, it was weird stuff like that. I noticed when I was a kid uh, was how, um, well, I, I noticed even before I read about it later on, they always worked on the, the left arm, the left leg, except for dusty Rose, dusty Rose worked on the right leg because his figure four was uh, the one to put more pressure on the right leg. Yeah. Um the only wrestler I remember seeing doing everything um, the opposite was Harley race. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but he was Harley race. So he'd get away with it. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to tell him not to
1: when you're absent, when you're one of the toughest wrestlers ever. Yeah. Nobody's really going to tell you not to do that.
0: Yeah. When Andre the giant is scared of you.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah, you're a bad man if Andre scared
0: us. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bulldog had that backslide. That was uh yeah, and yeah, he and he is doing these moves, except for that thing off the top rope. And yeah. and I think it was supposed to be a miss, but he he looked like somebody who was on crack. That's the only indication yeah. was that <laughs> Yeah. Uh okay, Brett coming off doing that elbow. I always liked the way he did that elbow. He didn't turn to the side, he came forward. Yeah. I always like that one. He
1: he has he always had a really good backbreaker too. The only yes. only person that I've ever seen have better backbreakers is Robert Strong.
0: I'll have to go check his out. I'm, uh, not yeah. me with it. But
1: he um like he he has so many different variations of the backbreaker. It's I mean they they just look like they're it looks like you don't have to get carried out after one of his backbreakers. They look they look snug.
0: Now, there was a hill move from Brett when he grabbed Bulldog by the hair and, and picked him yeah. up, and uh, which, honestly, that is a a women's wrestling move. It the used hair. To be, yeah. yeah, it used to be a staple of the women's matches. I'm glad it's not anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you may see it occasionally, but not the way it used to be, like, every match.
1: Yeah, now, if you see, if you see a, a woman pulling another woman up by her hair, that's because she's about to – throw her by her hair across the range
2: <laughs> exactly and it's
1: not like a cat fight move like it used to be
2: i got that sleeper hold on which that's right. something else well
0: now you do see the sleeper hold still but it's known by other the coquina clutch
2: yeah, yeah. i'm like it's a sleeper hold Now, this move, I mean, it can be actually used like in a real uh, fight if you, you know, but
0: people are trained with it, like bouncers. They're actually trained on how to do it. I, I actually saw some, this guy, like in eighth grade, he tried to put another guy in a sleeper hole when they're in a fight. Yeah, it, it didn't end well for him.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, the guy just went over, he just flipped him over and just started. Yeah. On.
1: yeah, I mean, unless you cinch it in really tight where you're actually cutting the air off. That's not going to work in a real fight.
2: Right. Uh, all right.
0: Yeah, the he bulldog. I mean, he's just up. Oh. Okay. Now here's something else. And you'll have to go back and rewind this. The first time Brett did the sleeper, he had the right arm under the chin. This time
1: he has the left yeah, arm. I, under. I caught that. Yeah. Yeah. He switched it up this time. Yeah.
0: And, oh, and when I was actually talking to Randy, about, you know, telling that about, you know, um, left-handers right-handers have to do that it also comes when they they're doing the like the flying body presses um like off the ropes oh really Uh, yeah the a a right-hander will normally normally and i have noticed here lately they they just they go uh, both ways but normally they will jump up and their head will go to the left and so if they get caught yeah so if it back in the old mid-atlantic days and other other territories as well they would catch them but now they're the way they're holding them is their right arm is under their head. Their left arm is actually be, between their legs and you would think, well, they could slam them, but, but they're used to slamming with their right arm. And so that's why you should put them in a backbreaker. Um, one of the weird exceptions, and I'm pretty sure, you know, they, they obviously were told to do this was razor. They'd come off the ropes and they'd do the body press to him, but he'd always catch them, but, but they would always turn or they would when they would jump up and turn sideways, they would turn to the right. So when he caught them, he would catch them ready to do that follow a slam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen in John Cena matches too. If somebody does tries to do the the flying body press, he'll catch him and then mm-hmm. like roll through.
0: Yep. And it's kind of yeah. And uh that right there, I think that would when bulldog when he got brett and he was kind of pressing him and he was yeah. going to drop him on, i think he was actually probably supposed to drop him on the top rope
2: not the middle rope because that looks kind of awkward to try to do yeah Yeah, and john cena i mean he's
0: another uh, lefty yeah um And But he punches with his right hand. His AA is actually done where it's like a fireman's carry where he's got him up and he has um where he's got his right arm through their legs and the head is on his left shoulder. Then he flips him that way. I did see one where somehow they ended up backwards and you saw him kind of thinking about it. You know, I really had to focus, you know, concentrate
2: on it.
1: Because oh. if you notice, he's always facing the hard cam when he does the AA, so it's like he's yeah. got to have him in the
0: right position. Is that the first suplex we've had this match? That vertical suplex, so. yeah. Wow, wow. Because I mean, the Bulldogs—that's one of the things they were known for. Were the suplex. Yeah. And boom, Brett and Owen—they were. Oh man, they were so. They take that turnbuckle off I the chest like that.
1: Took, I mean. That looks so painful. I don't know it how does. they. T- <laughs> it
0: really does.
1: Square in the chest.
0: Yeah, because Owen was another one. Yeah, and obviously they probably both learned it at the same time. But yeah, he he would just go just chest first into that turnbuckle, and I know yeah. the turnbuckle is padded. But like you said, Let's, I mean, ooh, yeah. I'm thinking you, you just got to crack sternum.
1: Yeah, but there there's not a lot of padding on that turnbuckle, so it's like. And you've awesome. seen the metal that metal buckle underneath,
0: mhm-, boom, oh man, there's that power slam, yeah him he he was the first one saw do it, then the warlord later on, and then of course Bro, yeah. yeah, I like that one so much, even with with my wrestling figures that I had, and don't tell me you didn't have the same wrestling figures that I had. <laughs> <laughs> I would have them do their matches, and I would have them do the the power slam like that. I'm pretty sure I, yeah. I had at least one of them. You know that was that would have been their finishing move. Yeah, uh, even with the little cheap generic ones that I got, like from like Family Dollar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, here we go. Yeah. Up. Oh. Oh. Oh, nice Out. German. German into the bridge.
1: Yeah. And you see, probably they, the best, don't... go ahead. Probably the best German into the bridge that I've ever seen is Chris Benoit.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: But the best Northern Lights suplex I've ever seen is Alicia Fox. Yes. And Hers, I... I mean, that is, it is picture perfect. Nothing else she did was, none of her other offense looked pretty at all. But that is the best looking Northern Light suplex I've ever seen.
0: And, you know, for years, I thought that move was called the Northern Right Suplex. Um, oh, top oh, oh, really? rope. Oh, boom. Oh, Bulldog actually kind of fell off the ropes here. Um, because yeah. uh, an underrated forgotten video wrestling video game on Nintendo was Tecmo Wrestling. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people don't talk about that one. I mean, that that one was my favorite. That to me was the best one on there. And of course, Tecmo made some really good sports games. Anyway.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I can't tell you how many hours me and my brother played Tecmo Bowl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many it was, but it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and. and well, in this game, I mean you could actually you, you had to build up your wrestler's strength. You know, if you lost a match, what well, it gave you a chance to go to the gym to build up the strength. And oh, here we go. Brett actually I've I've heard him talk about this where he had to position because the bulldog, of course, was in no shape to get it. So Brett yeah. had to do all of this himself.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh man. And and yeah, and there it's sloppy looking. But he's trying to fix it, but he's getting it, and boom. And, yeah, and you know he's going to cinch back on this because he's like, oh, came yeah. to this match, high on crack. But anyway, yeah, so that game, it actually had commentary at the bottom of the screen as it was playing, and the Northern Lights suplex was actually one of the moves. and But they called it the Northern Right suplex. <laughs> so for years, I thought that was the name of the move. <laughs> And unfortunately, I think it was one of the, the just a a bad translation.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, you know, but man, that game was awesome because techno, they made some awesome games. And well, and I want to th- say, you know, the game itself. Oh, here we go. There it is. And I'm gonna turn the sound back on for this part.
2: Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, this
0: Yeah, remember when Vince That used to be an announcer and he had a different sound and voice?
1: Yeah. <laughs> he called everything a maneuver. Oh, what a maneuver. <laughs>
0: like Vince, he just stepped through the ropes. Yeah. yeah. What a maneuver.
1: That Vince McMahon announcer voice is like my my customer service voice at work. It's like, I don't know who that is. And Brett's like, I'm tired. I just carried this crack addict through a whole match.
0: And you know, now they would have, nowadays, hometown, they'd have the Bulldog lose.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Every time now.
1: Yeah. And they've been doing that for years. It's like, if this is your hometown, you can get, you're guaranteed you're going to lose.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember the first time I ever really noticed it was actually Sasha Banks when they were in Boston. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. And then it's her hometown. Yeah. She's losing. And of course the funny thing about that is, you know, Carmela is also from Boston, but they have her portrayed as being from Long Island.
1: Yeah, uh, which looks most like are- Mustafa Ali. He's from Chicago, and he yep. just lost on Raw Monday.
0: Oh, he, oh, I see. I haven't, I have not watched all the past couple of weeks. I haven't even watched the replays. I've seen a couple of highlights, but not much.
1: Yeah, I just watched the YouTube clips because I can. It's going to be the same matches every week anyway, with just a little interference sprinkled in so i just watched the youtube clips and saved myself three hours uh
0: who is it is it is it what culture that do the um the ups and downs
1: yes simon miller yeah yes
2: i'm simon miller from what culture yeah and he's telling her your her husband's on crack you look, yeah. at it, you look at it and
0: kill him.
1: Yeah, your husband, your husband's cracked out, and I had to carry him to this match through this match.
0: Yeah, and, and twenty nine years from now, that fringe on that jacket, well,
1: is not going to be a good look. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not,
0: no. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to tell Stu about this.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm going
0: <laughs> to tell that. <laughs> yeah, and. How long did the Bulldog hold the title before he about a, about a month. Yep. And he that's when it, he
1: then dropped it to Sean at uh Saturday night's main event. Yep. Because I remember uh I remember watching Saturday night's main event when he lost to Sean.
0: Oh you know that would right there would would actually not be fun to be standing that
2: close to them fireworks.
1: Oh, you know that's gotta be hot. Hmm. I don't know why they don't do more pay per Well, I mean, in, in today's climate with everything going on, I understand why they're not doing pay-per-views overseas. But, I mean, they should have been doing more pay-per-views overseas. I mean, you can't – I feel like you can't really call yourself a global wrestling company if you're not holding – if you're only doing pay-per-views within the continental United States, and the
0: well, handful have, of them they, they have the, Saudi
1: about
0: say, they have the Saudi shows. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, yeah, I don't really, I, you know, the last no. couple of ones, I didn't even watch.
1: Oh, I didn't either. That's, I mean, they're just, they're overhyped house shows. I mean, it's just like, yeah. And, it's not like they're getting WrestleMania or anything. It's just, it's just a house show.
0: You know it's kind of amazing also when you see uh this match, just knowing in a couple of months bulldogs of course he's gonna drop the title to Sean. and then Brett turns around and wins the world title from flair,
1: yeah yeah, at a like uh untelevised event in uh Saskatchewan, yeah yeah, and
0: because flair was he he had what was an, it was like an inner ear problem or something something strange. Yeah yeah and so he had to drop the title and then then eventually he just left the company he had perfect beat him in a loser leaves town match which you don't see those anymore
1: yeah because he dropped the uh he dropped the title to brett because of the inner ear problem and he was i think he was just ready to go home yeah i think he wanted to go back to wcw because it was closer to home
0: and i mean he um you know he he proved himself in the wwf and yeah um He didn't need to prove himself to me and you because we already knew.
1: Oh, yeah. Already know. (laughs) But, but yeah, he he proved it to himself that he could go, you know, go up north, as they always said, and, mm -hmm. you know, win that title. And, I mean, he won it twice in a short span of time, so you can't really, you know, say he had a bad run.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and the way he won it the first time, to me – You know, them saying, all right, we're going to have the Royal Rumble, but the world title is going to be at stake. Whoever wins it gets the title.
1: And he comes out at number three. Yeah. And he's in his 40s wrestling guys that are at least 10 years younger than him. You know, Uh, but Flair was always known for the cardio, though. Flair, you know, that was always this thing.
0: Well, he said Vern Gagne, like, as soon as they'd start training, like, every day it was, like, what, 500 free squats, and then they'd run six miles. Yeah. And, yeah, he had some good cardio going on, but his knees and his back were probably shot from all the, all the running Yeah. yeah. Uh, but just think, you know, this right here is a match that here we are 29 years later, and we're still watching it because yeah. it's, it holds up. Exactly. And, you know, and I think that's a testament to how good both the guys were, even though, you know, we keep making the joke about Davey Boy, he's on crack. <laughs> But for somebody being, I mean, he's still what little, you know, that he was having to control himself. I think he actually, he did, I mean, he did handle it. Um, Just think about how good the match would have been had he not been high.
1: Yeah. And I hate that he, you know, I hate that he never could, you know, completely, you know, get clean. Because even, you know, even the last few years of his life, he was still, dealing with substance abuse problems. And, I mean, that's what caused his, you know, his heart failure when he passed.
0: And I know the Ultimate Warrior catches some, like, indirect blame for that Um, because when the Warrior, his cup of coffee that he had in WCW, where he had the one match against Hogan, but the, uh, the trap door on the ring. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and Bulldog got suplexed onto that door, onto the door, and messed up his back, and he started, you know, ended up getting hooked on painkillers mm-hmm. to get, you know, to get through. And
0: on top of all the drugs he had been taken already in the past. Um, yeah. uh, did you ever read Dynamite's book?
1: Oh no, I never have.
0: Um, I have it somewhere, but I, yeah, I think I mentioned to before. The first time I read the book was before I actually lived in England. And he, I was like, this book is in English, but I can't understand some of the things that he's talking about. You know, then after living in England for a little bit, I was like, oh, I get it now. I read it, I reread yeah. it. But yeah, but he was actually talking about he had dynamite introduced Davy Boyd to a few drugs, um, crack being one of them. And but he said, you know, Dave, there was actually a little bit of an age difference between the two. Yeah, Yeah. I mean it wasn't huge, but you know, you're talking like eight, nine years. So Davy Boy would have been in a position where he's looking up to dynamite. And dynamite was definitely not huh? Were they cousins? Yeah, they were cousins.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, it was Dynamite's dad and Davy Boy's mom were brother and sister. And you know, so dynamite when it comes to the stuff outside the ring he's definitely not a good influence i mean he was exactly opposite of it um and then of course we're thinking dynamite at this point in 92 him and davy boy they were not on speaking terms in fact i don't think they ever got on speaking terms ever again
1: no i don't think so
0: yeah um and you know, which is a shame because one, it's family and two, I mean, they were such, so good as a team, but dynamite, he, even in his book, he says, because Davey boy trademarked the British Bulldog name, when it was dynamite, who was the one who came up with the name as his idea. Yeah. And, um, and then he had a few things to say about Diana as well. And of course dynamite in a weird way, he was also part of the, the extended heart family sort of because his well now ex-wife or you know his first wife was the sister of Brett Hart's wife oh wow yeah so I mean they were all yeah you know, they were all connected you know so that and the hearts being you know 12 kids yeah <laughs> that would the family well my dad was the youngest of twelve, so I can tell you the Barber family reunions are just huge. <laughs> yeah, and you got to think—I mean, he was the youngest of the twelve. Yeah. So I'm one of the youngest grandkids, and I'm going to be 48 here in a couple weeks. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, I have cousins who are old enough to uh, to be my parent. Um. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually have a uh, at least one first cousin who is a great grandmother. Really. Yeah. Now, granted. She had her first when she was around 20. Her daughter had her first when she had literally just turned 16. Oh! And then her first had her first when she was 18. So imagine that being a grandmother at 34. Yeah. You know, but yeah. So my other cousin, yeah, she was a great grandmother that, that, that would put her, let's see, 36, uh, 54. And, and she was a great grandmother. Wow. so Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Hey, you know what happens, you know? Um, but, and they are also big wrestling fans and she actually, um, because she grew up in Texas, most of the, you know, our family of course grew up in North Carolina, but her dad was in the army and he was stationed in Texas and he liked it. And he met his wife out there. And mm-hmm. so they just stayed in Texas. They lived in North Carolina, like a couple of times, but they'd always moved back. Um, but she had actually met the Von Erick's, the Atkinsons, you know, she'd actually met them a few times.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, So, Um, so anyway, this is what we do. We always segue into totally different things. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: personally, I mean, I think, yeah, this was actually pretty fun because we have not actually sat and watched wrestling together in a very, very long time. Um,
1: very, very long
0: time. And I think even when we did, it happened to be like a, oh, it's on. I don't want to leave wrestling. Oh, we got it. Okay. Because I mean, we are teenagers and
1: yeah. We were yeah. teenagers
0: and had curfews. <laughs> Cur- curfews or being social creatures <laughs> as we were.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, um, and liking women. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Teenage yeah. women. So if they said, <laughs> hey, come with me. All right. <laughs> <Okay>. All right. <laughs> all right. Do that. But, but anyway, so yeah, we'll have to, definitely have to do some more watch-alongs and yeah. this has been fun and um i don't have anything on the agenda yet for monday i may get hit up for another interview but i'll make sure i do those not on monday and so yeah definitely we can come up with some ideas to do because this this has been good doing these recordings
2: yeah yeah
0: you know so uh and we've been growing the audience too you yeah, i don't know if he showed you yet no um And I think cause you've been telling your friends and I've been telling my friends and they tell their friends and they tell their friends and they, and so on and so on. (laughs) Yeah. You remember that commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it is, I think we are definitely growing the audience. Yeah, I think so. Yep.
1: Well, I Um, mean, it's, I mean, we, we're both passionate about wrestling. And I think that's, you know, I think people can pick up on that, that it's like, we're not just, you know, we're not just two guys, just, you know, we're not two just brand new fans that are just talking about this stuff. I mean, we've been, right. frank, we've, been we've been fans since we were little bitty children. So,
0: yeah. And it was one of the things that we were already friends before we even found out we yeah. were both wrestling fans. It's like, Oh, you're wrestling <laughs> too? Yeah. That's why yeah. we hang out. Because exactly so much i mean we even look alike people don't realize that <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah we'll definitely be thinking about something i will uh, i'm gonna have a little bit of a busy weekend taking my daughter back up to college on sunday okay. uh, i gotta come she start
1: back this week does not
0: she yeah because she's gonna be an ra up at right state so she actually has to go oh back that's
1: awesome early. yep so what year is she in now uh, sophomore. a
0: sophomore sophomore Yep. And uh, so because she's going to be an RA, she won't be able to come home as much. We're only an hour and a half away. Uh, yeah. so she, she was able to come home on the weekends, uh, you know, quite a bit um, the last semester, except for when me and my wife got COVID. Yeah, she couldn't come home then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so a little bit of a busy weekend, but I'm always thinking of ideas and I know you're always thinking of ideas. So whenever you think of an, a good idea, um, shoot it to me. And okay. we we will just roll because we've been ever, we've been able to make every show I think good so
1: far. So yeah, I think so. I feel the same way.
0: All right. So all right, sir. Until the next time, I will see you. God bless.
1: All right. God bless.